Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. If you want to never miss an episode, you can subscribe to our podcast with your favorite podcast software. Get Daily Detective Program. And you can subscribe with Apple, TuneIn, Good Pods, or the Amazon Music Store at Amazon.com slash OTR Detective. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank James for becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, James. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date on this one is May 3rd, 1950, and the title is Find Zabo and the Briefcase. <laughs> Parade. The makers of America's favorite whole wheat flakes, Wheaties, Breakfast of Champions, invite you to Wheaties Big Parade, a thrilling procession of radio's greatest summer entertainment programs. Yours for the listening on NBC. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Morning, Commissioner. Well, what uncivilized neck of the woods are you sending me to this time? Paris, Steve. Paris? Hey, I like that for a change. I could use a weekend in Paris. Forget it. This is no vacation. Steve, three days from now, a secret meeting on atomic inspections will be held in Paris. Each country is sending a representative with a report of his country's industrial potential. Lists of factories capable of atomic production. Well, what am I supposed to do? Go over there and count A-bombs? One of the Balkan countries sent a courier named Zabo to bring their report to Paris. Our legation was asked to keep it in a safe place. And an American named Blake was sent to meet Zabo. Mm, did Zabo arrive in Paris? Yes, he was seen getting off the plane carrying the officially sealed briefcase. He disappeared right after that, and Blake was killed. Sounds like somebody was real eager to get their hands on that report. Must be hot. That's the mystifying part, Steve. The Balkan country says mm. there was nothing sensational about it. Well, maybe there's something in it that's hotter than they realize. It's a possibility, but the point is the disappearance of that report has stirred up enough suspicion to sabotage that meeting three days from now. That's why you've got to get over there. Find Zabo and the briefcase and turn the briefcase over to our representative who's waiting at the legation so he can take it to that meeting. You've got just three days to do it in. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment, Steve. Good luck.
Wheaties are America's favorite whole wheat flakes, and there's every good reason why they should be. They're made from wheat, of course, 100% whole wheat. So you can be sure that every single Wheaties flake in the orange and blue box you buy from your grocer contains all the good things you've come to expect from whole wheat. Vitamins, minerals, iron, and just plain whole wheat goodness. You can always be sure you'll never get shortchanged on nourishment when you look for it in a bowl of Wheaties. Of course, the beautiful thing about good nourishing Wheaties is that they taste just wonderful, too. For breakfast or any old time at all, you can enjoy Wheaties plain with milk or a little cream or with your favorite fruit. In fact, Wheaties taste so good, some people just nibble them right out of the box. So if you have any use for a breakfast cereal that's wonderfully, wonderfully good to eat and good for you besides, by all means, ask your grocer for Wheaties, America's favorite whole wheat flakes. And now, here is Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, that's what I like about my job. I've always got so much time to do things in. Three whole days, and all I had to do was fly a few thousand miles to Paris, solve Blake's murder, find a gent named Zabo in a city of just a few million, then turn his briefcase over to our representative to that secret meeting. A <laughs> real cinch. Well, Wednesday afternoon, I get to Paris. An hour later, I'm sitting in the office of Inspector Bravant of the French Surete. Oh, Monsieur Michel, a very mystifying case. We have been unable to find any trace of Zabo's whereabouts. You've got no leads at all? We have but one lead, Michel. She's in our way here now. She? Who is she? A girl named Sari Tedescu. Ah, Mademoiselle Tedescu. Please, have a seat. Thank you. I do not understand why you have brought me here, Inspector. I wish to ask you about a man named Zabo. Zabo? Mm-hmm. But I do not know any Zabo. You were on the same plane from the Balkans. You were observed to be quite friendly with him during the flight. I, I talked to several of the passengers, but I did not know their names. I see. And you are quite certain you do not know this Zabo? I have just told you I did not. Please, Inspector, I do not see what uh, why you have. Pardonnez-moi, mademoiselle, pardonnez-moi. That is all. You may go. Very well, Inspector. Bonjour, mademoiselle. Good day. Well, looks like you got a big hunk of nothing out of that, Bravant. She is lying, Mitchell. Hmm? When we searched Blake's apartment after the murder, we found this snapshot of Blake, Zabo, and Zari Tedescu. Oh, you know, I think I'll tag along after Sari, Inspector. I'll check with you later. I hurry outside and spot Sari on the sidewalk ahead of me. After about 15 minutes of fast walking, she ducks into a bar, La Petite Chienne. I wait a minute or two, and then I go inside, but Sari is nowhere in sight. Oui, monsieur. What will it be? Look, a girl just came in here a minute ago, bartender. What happened to her? A girl? <laughs> but many girls come in here, monsieur. Uh, would you perhaps like me to introduce you to... This one had long, dark hair. Her, her name is Sari Todescu. And I know she came in here. But, as you see, monsieur, there is no one answering that description here. That's the point. Where is she? But how would I know? I do not remember seeing this girl come in at all. I see. Well, thanks a lot, Mac. What? 
Monsieur, I am Anton. Perhaps you would like me to play a little tune just for you on my concertina. No, thanks. It would be pleasure. Look, some other time. You don't understand, monsieur. I specialize in playing tunes that people like to hear. Oh, so what tune do you think I'd like to hear? I overheard you asking about a girl named Sari. What do you know about her? A man in my position has ears and eyes open all the time in places such as this. Hmm. Well, skip the hocus-pocus and let's have it. But, monsieur, I make my living playing tunes people wish to hear. I get it. Okay, here's ten bucks. Ten dollars American? Ten dollars American. Does that buy me the tune? <laughs> but, of course. Please to tuck the bill in my pocket. Huh? Okay. Now, let's have it. This girl, Sari, was in here. Oh, great. Look, that I already know. Give me back my ten bucks. But wait, wait. I can't talk anymore now. I am supposed to be playing for customers. Meet me ten minutes past midnight, nearest metro station. Metro? What's that? Metropolitan. The underground electric railway. I will be waiting for you on the ramp. Okay, Anton. I'll see you then. And your tune better be good. <laughs> I keep checking Sari's hotel all evening, but she's not in. It's a few minutes after midnight when I get to the subway station. I go down a long flight of metal stairs. I can hear a train approaching, but the ramp is dark and deserted. Except for a little guy at one end. It's Anton. He starts towards me, and then, as we're getting close to each other, a hand suddenly shoots out of the darkness and grabs one of my ankles. I lose my balance. The train is almost on top of me. I start falling onto the tracks right in front of it. Brother, that was close. Are you all right? I sure wouldn't have been if you hadn't grabbed me, Anton. The man who tripped you, there he goes, up the stairs. Yeah, come on, I'm going to get him. Watch out, he has gun. Get down. You okay, Anton? Yes, yes, but monsieur, if you are in trouble, perhaps we better forget our arrangement. Nothing I... doing. Now look, what's this stuff you were going to tell me about Sari Tadescu? Well, it was just that I have seen her in bar, always talking to the same men. I heard Sari tell him that it was going to happen at 22 Rue Victoire Massé. What was going to happen? I don't know. That is all I heard. Oh. Mm, 22 Rick Victor Massé? Uh, okay. How do I get there? Wait, you better take me. You paid me only for information. I am a very busy man. Okay, here's ten more bucks for you if you take me there. Oh? You mean ten dollars? Yeah, ten dollars American. Well, <laughs> that is slightly different matter. <laughs> Come on. Twenty-two Rue Victor Massey. Mm. Monsieur Mitchell, door is unlocked. Yeah. See if you can find the light switch, Anton. Yes, yes. He's here. Monsieur, look. Sitting in chair. Yeah. Well, he'll never get up out of that chair. That's a cinch. He's been strangled. When somebody mentions the grand old game, you can be sure it's baseball he has in mind. And if he should talk about the breakfast of champions, well, that would be Wheaties with milk or a little cream and his favorite fruit on top. Actually, the two expressions have a lot more in common than you might suppose. Because through the years, Wheaties and baseball have kept pretty close company. You see, the fact that Wheaties are 100% whole wheat flakes means they have a lot of nourishment to offer. 
And if there's anything an active Major League ball player needs, it's nourishment and plenty of it. Of course, like anyone else, champions like to get that nourishment in a food that's good tasting, too. Well, Wheaties just naturally are both good tasting and good for you. So you can understand the enthusiasm shown by Stan Musial, slugging outfielder of the St. Louis Cardinals. Stan says, you can certainly put me down as a Wheaties man. They're swell for flavor, and at the same time, they hand out valuable nourishment. Well, if you're anything like I am, I'm sure you run into days when you burn up as much energy as you might if you went nine innings with the Cardinals. And on days like that, the nourishment you get from crisp, tender, delicious Wheaties in the morning can certainly help a lot. What Wheaties can do for a baseball champion, they can certainly do for you. Try them. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. Now, General Mills, makers of Wheaties, presents the second act of Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. He has been strangled? Goodbye. Come back here, Anton. Monsieur, I told you I did not want to get mixed up in anything. Save it, will you? But who is this man? How should I know? Maybe there's something in his pockets that will give us a... Yeah. Here's his identification card. Zabo. This is man you have been looking for? Yeah. But I found him too late. The killer probably has the briefcase by now. Briefcase? What briefcase? Oh, skip it. I wonder if there's anything else in his pockets that might help. Here. I will raise him up and you can search his back pockets. It's quite heavy. Yeah. Hey, hey, watch out. I can't hold him. Oh, great. Now, look, pick him up and... Hey, wait a minute. What? Look, sticking out from under the seat cushion and back, that looks like a piece of leather. Here, let me get this cushion up. Well, what do you know? The briefcase... But I don't understand. If this man Zabo was killed because of briefcase, why did not killer take it with? Zabo must have been sitting right here in this chair when the killer walked in. He wouldn't tell where the briefcase was, so he got strangled, still sitting in the chair. Well, no wonder the killer couldn't find it if Zabo was roosting on it. You know, monsieur, this must be a very valuable briefcase. Why we do not open and see what is in? Look, get your hands off it. But I was just curious. Save your curiosity. You see those government seals on the flap of it? They're still unbroken, and that's just the way they're going to stay. Your part of the job is finished, Anton. You can shove off. Anton shrugs and leaves, and I call Inspector Bravant and tell him I've found Sabo's body. Then, the next morning, I go to the American legation and look up our representative to the secret meeting, a guy named Robertson. And when Robertson spots the briefcase under my arm, his face lights up like a neon sign. Mitchell, you've certainly done us a tremendous service finding this briefcase. Well, I guess it's a good thing I didn't take any longer. That meeting is today, isn't it? Tonight at 10 o'clock. Excuse me, Mr. Robertson. Yes, Miss Miller. They just delivered your train ticket. Good, thank you. Yes, Mitchell, this briefcase will help our cause tremendously. Its disappearance stirred up so much suspicion that the very purpose of the meeting was in jeopardy. But now, when I deliver this briefcase to the Balkan representative tonight at 10 with the seal still unbroken, I think it'll clear the atmosphere quite a bit. Where's the meeting going to be? Uh, sorry, Mitchell, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. You see, we've had indications that someone is out to sabotage the meeting, so we're taking no chances. We've changed the location twice, and now only the five representatives know what that location is. Well, that's probably the smart way to handle it. Anyway doesn't matter to me where the meeting is. You've got the briefcase and my job is finished. Well, thanks again, Mitchell. And goodbye. I, I must leave at once for the meeting. 
It's good to have my assignment completed. I'm patting myself on the back, telling myself how easy it's been when the easy feelings becomes a little uneasy. Somehow, it's been too easy. Call it a hunch or what have you. I begin to wonder if maybe I've been played for a sucker. I try to duck the thought, but the feeling sticks. I've got a few hours before the plane time, so I decide to do a little more checking. I remember the bartender at La Petite Chienne, the guy who lied to me about Sari not being in there. Bar is pretty deserted when I get there. Anton is over in one corner playing sweet music for the benefit of a young couple at a table. He gives me a big wink and a grin, but I head for the bartender. I tell him I've got a message for him from Sari Tadescu. He blinks a couple of times, but finally takes me to a back room. Now, uh, where is this message? Where's Sari? What? But you said you brought a message from her. You heard me. Where's Sari? This is a trick. Yeah, and it's going to work. Open up. Tell me where she is. I will not drink the knife. I will. Oh. That's better. Let go of me. Here. Try this wall for size. Oh. I, I will call for help. I doubt it. I don't think you want anyone to know you're a friend of Sari. Oh. Now, look, you're going to keep bouncing off that wall until you tell me. Oh. I, I will not tell. This could go on all night. Oh. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Okay. Where is she? Room 24, Hotel. Thanks. You better get that wall fixed, Buster. Looks like we started a few cracks in the plaster. Barry. Who is it? A friend of yours. What do you want? I've got a message for you from the bartender at La Petite Chienne. Oh. oh. Hello, Sari. You are the one at the police station yesterday. You get your foot out of the door. I'm coming in. You get out of here. I, I will call the police. Are you kidding? What do you want? A lot of answers. But mainly, they boil down to this. Why did you kill Blake and Zabo? Zabo is dead. You ought to know, sister. Oh, oh, Zebo. Poor Zebo, he was, he was trying to help me. Help you? Look, you better start talking. We know you were on the same plane as Zebo, but yesterday at the police station you denied knowing him. Why? Zebo was, was trying to get me out of the country illegally. He got me a forged passport and he brought me to Paris with him. Wait a minute. You're not hooked up in this briefcase deal at all? Oh, no, no. When the plane landed, a little man met Zebo. He said he had come for the briefcase. The two of them went away together. But when Zebo did not return to the hotel, I became worried. And then when the police brought me in, I thought they had found out about my forged passport. So I denied knowing Zebo. I, I did not want to get him into any trouble. And you've been in hiding ever since, huh? Yes. Well, look. How does that bartender at Le Petit Chien tie in? Zebo had told me to go there if there was any trouble. Oh. That the, the bartender would tell me of a place where I could wait safely for the next stage of my journey. Mm. I guess that bar is a contact point for those with forged passports. And the bartender sent you here. I, I still don't see why you ducked out of that bar, though, in such a hurry. Uh, because I, as I was talking to the bartender, I, I suddenly saw the little man who had met Zebo at the place. What? This guy was in the bar? Yes, he was. You expecting anyone? Okay, I'm going to get over here behind the door. Oh. Now, go ahead and open it. All right. 
So we meet again, mademoiselle. No, 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 no. Do not try to slam door in my face. That's rude. I, I, I... Thank you. I have been trying unsuccessfully to locate you ever since you saw me leave airport with Zabel. But a man named Mitchell helped me. He softened up a bartender to a point where I could find out your address. <laughs> Don't you think this gun earns me invitation to come in? Yeah, come on in, Anthony. Mitchell. Yeah. Pull that trigger now and you'll blow your own foot off. Get that hand off my throat. Drop the gun or I'll break your arm. Very well, I drop it. I do not need gun. Constantina player develops strong hands, strong enough to strangle you. Yeah, just like you did Zabo, huh? But I don't think Constantina players know much about judo. Take a ride, Anthony. He's gun. He's right at your feet. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Not one, Mitchell. You have lost. Look, Anton, you wanted me to find Zabo's body. You led me right to it. You even lifted him up so I'd be sure to spot the briefcase. Of course. When briefcase is open, that secret meeting. Meeting will be over. I'm the prized chump of all time. You planted a bomb in that briefcase and got me to deliver it for you. Yes. <coughs> So long, Sari. I've got to find that guy, Robertson, in one big hurry. Yes? They gave me your address at the legation. You're Mr. Robertson's secretary, aren't you? Why, yes, Miss Miller. You're Steve Mitchell, the man who brought the briefcase to Mr. Robertson. Yeah, that's why I've got to find him right away. Where'd he go? Where's the meeting going to be? I'm sorry, Mr. Mitchell. I couldn't tell you even if I knew. Look, this is no time to be coy. There's a bomb in that briefcase. What? And it'll explode the second the briefcase is opened. Now, where's your boss, Robertson? His tickets were for Bordeaux. When does the train do to pull out? At six, I think. Oh, it's five minutes after now. Look, get your car. We'll try and overtake the train at the first stop. train, Steve. We made it. Come on. Which compartment is Robertson in? His reservation was for compartment five. Here we are. Let me give you a hand. Thanks. Come on down the corridor. Here it is. Compartment five. Mr. Robertson, I... Hey, the compartment's empty. Empty? But... You're sure this is the right compartment? Of course. I got the reservation myself. What is it, monsieur? Uh, conductor, where's Mr. Robertson? Robertson? The guy who had this compartment. Why... Oh, he did not stay on the train. What? No, it was very strange. He got aboard on one side, then he got off on the other. It took a taxi, I believe. Oh, great. Then the meeting's in Paris after all. Steve, what'll we do? It's 6.30. Three and a half hours to locate that meeting, and all we know is that it's somewhere in Paris. Oh, that taxi driver. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Come on, let's get back to town. You try and trace the cab, and I'll see what I can find out. <laughs> 
I know, Mitchell. None of us here at the Surete know where that meeting is to be held. Haven't you any idea at all, Inspector? Uh, Paris is a large city, Mitchell. I am sorry. You're sorry. Look, Commissioner, I've got to find that meeting. Do you know where it's to be? No, Steve. Why? Something wrong? You bet there's something wrong. There's a bomb on its way to that meeting. A bomb? How do you know? I sent it. What? Now, Steve. It's no joke, Commissioner. And if I don't locate it in the next three hours, there won't be any meeting. Steve, the taxi company says whoever picked up Mr. Robertson was on the day shift, and all those drivers are home by now. But there isn't time to telephone all of them and... Wait, the radio. What? The Paris radio station. Come on. No, 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 no. We cannot interrupt our programs just to protest Look, them. unless you do, there's going to be an explosion in Paris at 10 o'clock. It'll probably blow up a city block. An explosion? You heard me. Now get on the air and tell any cab driver who picked up a man with a briefcase at the depot at 6 to call in here right away. Very well, monsieur. I will broadcast it immediately. <laughs> this any longer. It's nine o'clock in one hour. All right. You got any ideas? Maybe we ought to broadcast a warning to the people of Paris. Tell them that there'll be an explosion somewhere in Paris in an hour, but we don't know where. Huh. You put an announcement like that on the air and you'll start the biggest stampede in history. Monsieur, monsieur. Yeah. The cab driver's just called in. He remembers picking up a man with a briefcase at the depot. Where'd he take him? Here is the address. Thanks. Stay here, Marjorie. I'll see you later. <laughs> What do you want? Look, a taxi driver told me that he picked up a man with a briefcase and brought him here. What about it? Where is he? I am the man. What? <laughs> now, see, is a man to be allowed no privacy in this city? I got Oh, fine, it. fine. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm glad you called in, Steve. Look. That was the original wild goose chase. I know. Another cab driver just called in. The man he picked up answers Mr. Robertson's description. Where'd he take him? He led him off in front of the Louvois Hotel. You've got just 15 minutes before that meeting starts, Stephen. It'll take you 12 of them to get there. So, I break every traffic law in town and pull up at the hotel at six minutes to ten. The elevator operator thinks he remembers taking a guy with a briefcase up to the fourth floor. I get up there with three minutes to go and start walking down the hall. Then I spot a guy lounging at the end. And I've got a hunch I'm getting warm. He's probably a guard. I stop for a second in front of each door, but he doesn't react. Then I stop in front of the fifth door down. Suddenly he's on me like a blanket. What do you want? Look, I've got to get into that meeting. No one goes in that door. No one is going to cut. No. Sorry, I've got no time to argue. I gave the guard a fast frisk and got the key. I opened the door. It was a large suite, but in one of the rooms, I spot five men sitting around the table. One of them is Robertson. Good afternoon, The first order of business is this briefcase I'm turning over to the Balkan representative. I would like him to open it at once. I think it will clear the air considerably so that we can... Wait, don't open that briefcase. Mitchell, what are you doing? Don't open that briefcase. You, you, I'm talking to you. But that is the Balkan representative. He has every right to open it. Take your hands off it. Mitchell! Mitchell, are you crazy? You're trying to start a war? There might have been one if I hadn't hit him. There's a bomb in that briefcase. What? Do you know what you're saying? You bet I know what I'm saying. Another second and you'd all have been blown sky high. Oh, brother, I didn't think I was going to make it here. Here, I'll take that briefcase now. Wait, where are you going? First, I'm going to turn this briefcase over to the surety, unopened, and let them worry about it from there. And second, well, 
I'm going to find me a good spot to have a nice, quiet, nervous breakdown. So long, Mr. Robertson. You've just heard another episode of Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell. We're glad to welcome Dangerous Assignment as one of Wheaties' big parade of radio shows. Now, if Mr. Don Levy will step out of the role of Steve Mitchell, we'd like to welcome him to the Wheaties' family of salesmen. Thank you, Terry O'Sullivan. I am very proud to accept what I consider to be one of my most important assignments. For tonight, I'm joining the more than 700 salesmen of General Mills whose worthwhile job it is to bring good food to the American table. Yes, I'm a Wheaties man tonight. I'm particularly happy that I am after reading a very startling article in the May issue of Reader's Digest. It's an article I think all of us should read. It's called, What Do You Eat for Breakfast? And believe me, it certainly reminded me of how important a good nourishing breakfast is to every man, woman, and child in this great nation of ours. The fact that I am joining you salesmen and the hundreds of thousands of grocers who meet the American homemaker across the country every day gives me a real thrill. All of us know that by selling Wheaties, the breakfast of champions, we're doing our part in helping more families to eat good, substantial breakfasts regularly. That's a job worth doing. Ladies and gentlemen, turn to page 73 of the May Reader's Digest and see if after reading this article, a breakfast including Wheaties with plenty of milk and fruit doesn't sound like a good idea to you. Dangerous Assignment, written by Bob Reif, with music by Basil Adlin, is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. And on Monday, listen to Frank Lovejoy in Nightbeat, on the Wheaties' Big Parade. For all the family, try Father Knows Best tomorrow on NBC. Welcome back. Well, this episode features one of the most intense fights in old-time radio between our hero and a concertina player. This story did send me on some research and lifted a cloud of ignorance. I had assumed that all of the squeeze boxes and similar such instruments were just types of accordions, but it's actually uh, a slightly different instrument, although it is, like the accordion, a free reed musical instrument. Most of them tend to be smaller than the accordion. I think it would take some good muscles to operate it. I don't know that it would help you be any more proficient at strangling anyone. I mean, I think 
any man in his prime with average strength has that theoretical capability provided he gets his hands around the throat and his hold isn't broken. So maybe a bit of a red herring. Steve was a little bit unnerved by the possibility of the bomb being planted and I think made a mistake by going out to that first place where a, a cabbie had dropped someone off without making sure that it was someone who had the right description. The secretary, of course, saved the day. And I think that this is kind of an ongoing theme of the series. You know, the commissioner's secretary is able to track Steve down when no one else can. Uh, this other man's secretary is able to actually ask some questions before sending people out and making sure that... Uh, Steve's going to the right address. The message of Dangerous Assignment is that it is secretaries who will save the world. Though, of course, the larger message is to eat your Wheaties, which is important. It was already starting to get to be a challenge to get a sponsor. And NBC was doing a lot of uh, deals where they would get sponsors to take on a package of shows. Uh, at one time or another, uh, Wheaties would be the sponsor of not only Nightbeat, but uh, Tales of the Texas Rangers, in addition to Dangerous Assignment. And we will have a special that will tie into this uh, sponsorship. At any rate, it's time to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Jonathan, Patreon supporter since March of 2020, currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Jonathan. And that will do it for today. A reminder to get uh, new episodes every day. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcast, or the Amazon Music app at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. We will be back. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment. Join us back here tomorrow for Philo Vance, where... What time do you unlatch the door so I can get in? Mr. Woods, I've been butler for the Oxford family for 20 years. You can stay there another 20 for all I care. Nobody will suspect you. That's why I dreamt this whole idea up. You open the front door. I come in. You hand me the combination of the safe. I pick up all that cash and those jewels in the library safe. And go out before anybody knows I've been there. Oh, I can't. I, I can't do it. I, I, I can't get you the combination. I can't let you in the house. Okay, so you stay here till you decide you can. Look, I just made up my mind. You're getting out of here right now, reporting for work. You know Oxford opens the safe every night. Watch him close and get the combination, and at midnight, you're coming down and unlatching the front door. Am I? You don't. Now take care of that Judy you're so in love with, that Mary Davis. I told you never to mention her. <laughs> I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.